Welcome to another episode of the Access Vikings podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, joined once again by Ben Gessling and Michael Rand of the Star Tribune from TCO Performance Center, where the Vikings just held a Wednesday walkthrough in preparation for the Detroit Lions on Sunday at Ford Field. We're going to preview that game and talk about a lot of the storylines surrounding it. The Vikings team clinched the NFC North, um, and then their playoff future beyond that might not be a whole lot beyond that. We'll have to wait and see. It really depends on the Eagles quite a bit. But yeah, it does. The Vikings are playing to lock up a home playoff game. And suddenly, I found this interesting. The Vikings opened on Sunday night as one-and-a-half-point favorites against Detroit. By Monday afternoon, the Lions were one-point favorites. People don't disrespect, right? People don't like the Vikings' chances to sew up the NFC North, Ben. They don't, and I'm not a great gambling mind. Uh, so is that Vegas sets the line, and then there's just money coming in on the Lions? Yeah. That's what's moving it? Yeah. And so the, to entice bets on the Vikings, they move the line. Yeah. So Making the right. Vikings underdogs. Yeah, yep, yep. So the, clearly the money was coming in, and people were hammering Detroit when the Vikings came in as favorite. I thought you made that. So I, at first, I had to recalibrate. I thought you were saying Mike Tice, but you said entice. I thought you said antice. I thought you were like Mike Tice. Mike Tice, 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 Tice might be the Vikings. Mike Tice to, can put money down to entice <laughs> money on the Vikings. I was like, okay, good. I got glad we got that cleared up because I was really confused for a minute. But I find it interesting that people continue. It's the third time, third time in the last four games, the Vikings are not uh, technically favorites, at least at this point. Um, but they keep winning most of those games, save for the Dallas game. Should the Vikings be expecting to win this game, do you think? I think so. I mean, I, I the Lions have played better, but I think this is probably one of those that if you are <clears throat> looking for a way to kind of make a statement, if you're serious, you should go in and take care of business. I mean, th- it's a better Lions team than it's been, and they had a hard time winning that game the first time they played them. But, yeah, I I would think this is one they should win. I, I'm I haven't made my pick yet, but I'm planning to pick them to win the game. I I think you know Jared Goff has has played awfully well, but Jared Goff has uh, played awfully well in, in games where he's had a lot go right for him around him. So if you're able to make things a little more difficult for him in terms of uh, pass protection, I think it's certainly a game they should win. Yeah, I mean, I the only thing I would say, the two things I would say is, one, Detroit probably has, even though the Vikings can clinch um, NFC North with a win, uh, they can do that a lot. they got a lot of opportunities to do that and, and probably easier ones than this. Detroit, uh, they lose this game. Their playoff chances, whatever, however slim they are, are probably out the window. So Detroit probably has theoretically more to play for corner line is a dangerous line corner line is a dangerous line is is shorter too long didn't read let ben take it from here but uh yeah so i'd say that and i would say like you know the lions have played reasonably well this year You, you, you guys just talked about the game earlier this year like I don't think we quite understood at that point how important that game was, but they were like Vikings were one and one. Detroit was up by ten points in the fourth quarter of that game. Like that was, if they hadn't you know lionsed away that game, I don't know what the narrative of this team is. That was the very first of what became nine and zero in these you know close games. Like if that, I mean, that game was like goes the differently, Dan Campbell fourth down yeah call game wasn't it? It was yeah like that was and yeah I read something in the Detroit media today about how that 
he's had some sort of some sort of amazing like hyperbolic quote about how that game will eat him alive for the rest of his life or something like that. How just like just losing that game still sticks with him and will it'll haunt him for the rest of his life. Something like that. Oh boy! I, I mean, that's it's a lot. A it's much. a lot. To, it's a lot for one game. But in the context of this season, I imagine suppose, if that game yeah. goes differently. This division is a lot different probably right now. That game ended with a Josh Metellus interception. Josh Metellus will haunt Dan Campbell for yes. the rest of his life. And the big play was the uh, was the KJ Osborne touchdown, right? Yeah. Kirk once again let a uh, comeback game-winning drive, which Mike, we'll get to. You brought up some stats. A lot of big numbers. I, I'm not going to give them all away. Got to put some behind a paywall, but I'll I'll share a few of them with you today. You'll share some stats. There was one of them that was really interesting, but one of them was that the Vikings lead the NFL in game-winning drives, or Kirk must. six. Six game-winning drives. One of them, lot. one of them being against Detroit. Um, one also being against Detroit last year too. And the Vikings need to avoid a repeat of what happened last year when they went to Detroit late in the season and lost on um, a game-winning drive. On a game-winning drive to Amon Ross, St. Brown. Was that uh, Detroit's first win of the year. Yes. Cam Dancer. Yes, it was. Yeah, that's right. Cam Dancer was too far back at the goal line with as the there was just seconds left, right? Yes. Yeah, it was like one second on the clock when they scored. I think one or two. Yeah, that was not good. It was the last play. I mean, it was a fourth down, too. It was like no doubt it was the last play of the game. And Vikings players, I think, I remember talking them uh, talking at the time about how Detroit looked to be turning the corner then. And so it seems like at 5-7 and seven, they're doing a little bit better now. Um, getting Jamison Williams back, too, somebody that the Vikings enabled them to get. Wouldn't it be something if Jamison Williams had something of a coming-out party against the Vikings? Um, he made his debut last week, didn't do a whole lot. I think he played like just... 11% of the snaps or something like that. Um, but as he works back from that ACL injury, they expect him to be a dynamic weapon. And Detroit has somehow put up points for the fourth time this season. They topped 400 yards last week against the Jaguars. One of the other times they did it was against the Vikings uh, back in September. Who doesn't get 400 yards against the Vikings? Isn't it like four weeks in a row they given up 400 yeah. or three it's, weeks in a row? I can't they remember. gave up 330 in the second half alone last week. Seems like a lot. I don't know. Kevin O'Connell says it's within us to play better. Love to see to it. To do that better. Love to see it. <laughs> to, to, to stop giving up so much yardage. Um, watching that game back, too, a lot of it, I, especially in that second half, Ben, as you point out, was a Caleb Evans getting beat, Duke Shelley getting beat. The 60-yarder was a Caleb Evans pulling up from another collision with a teammate that would have been with Chandon Sullivan, I think, yep. over the middle. Chandon missing the tackle, a Caleb not even going for it because he was in the game concussed before eventually leaving. Uh, after initially being cleared, according to O'Connell, by the team and independent uh, doctors on the sideline. So that that was just a mess, and now they hope that that's going to be better with last year's GOAT, Cam Dantzler, coming back on Sunday um, from a high ankle sprain that caused him to miss four games. But I don't think Cam Dantzler's return, Ben, is going to solve all their woes. No, it's not. Um, this is a... The best offense the Lions have had in a number of years. I mean, if you had, especially if you add Jamison Williams to it, Amon Ross St. Brown has played awfully well this year. That line has a lot of first round picks on it. As it's the same line we've seen. And they but traded the Vikings their best tight end. They did. Um, I suppose in in return for <laughs> the um, the first round pick. I mean, not it wasn't direct, but. There's been a lot of trades in this division this year between these two teams and uh, and the one with the Packers, too. So certainly a lot of subplots to how both of these offenses have used the other one to make themselves better. Um, yeah, between the running backs and 
this group of receivers, if not TJ Hawkinson, obviously, uh, this is a better Detroit attack than we have seen in quite some time. So it, you know, the as we kind of sit here and talk about it, I mean, you have to think, and I, I'm still going to pick them to win, but I'm just, I'm workshopping this out loud here. Um, pick has to get filed later this week, so I'm. You guys all get a, a preview into my thought process. Yes. Um, if you if you subscribe to the theory that they're going to lose at some point again this year, that they're not going to finish fifteen and two. Um, and they, they could finish fifteen and two yeah. certainly, but you could also make the argument that this is the toughest assignment they have left in front of them. If you believe the idea, and I do that the Packers are going to be out of it by the time they go to Lambeau Field January 1st, and the Bears certainly are going to be out of it January 9th. You probably won't be starting anybody in that game anyway. I don't know. Jordan Love now might give the Packers a good quarterback. They, Yikes. <laughs> that's true. Yikes. Shots fired. Shots, shots fired at uh, Aaron Rodgers. He, did he not win last week? Pat McAfee he shade Chicago. coming your way on Tuesday. Own Chicago. Um, I did that for the audience. Yes. <laughs> yes. You, you, you know, it's for the brand. Good for the brand, um, as Pat McAfee would say. He would. <coughs> um, yeah, Ben, keep going. Yeah, I, I mean, it's this one is, yeah, when you're playing a team that's desperate, it is a tough matchup, I think, offensively. Now that defense, you can certainly throw all over. I mean, th- this could be a this could be a shootout, um, given the way both these teams are currently constructed. But, yeah, they have a lot of ability on the offensive side of the ball. It's it's interesting to see it because for so many years we've seen poor Matthew Stafford sending back there under siege with subpar receivers, an offensive line that couldn't stand up to the job, getting sacked eight, nine, ten times against the Vikings a number of times, and and uh, it's a little different story over there now. It is um, DeAndre Swift has retaken the lead of that backfield committee at just the right time to face the Vikings. I remember when the Vikings faced them in September. A couple defenders were talking about how the two guys that they were worried about on that Lions offense uh, were obviously St. Brown and then Swift, even though Swift has been banged up, really hasn't played that kind of workhorse role. It's been the yeah, former Jamal Packer. Williams in the Leroy Horde role, right? Just scoring touchdowns, one-yard touchdowns all the time. And getting fined for doing too many hip thrusts in the U.S. Bank end zone. That was the, yeah. <laughs> was the week three. I remember that. Did that. I don't think that factored into the outcome, but he was hilarious talking about it afterwards. Um, because it was Alexander Madison got asked by Kevin Seifert yes. on Monday about, hey, you know, your twerking celebration, did you make sure you weren't in the, the you know, area that'll get you fined for the NFL's whatever? I'm not I sure. Know, what, I don't know what the threshold is. I don't know I'm unclear. Either. This I'm was really a question, question, I think, in a Super Bowl press conference for, for Roger Goodell at is one it point. case by case? It's it was Antonio Brown. Case. Okay. Is there an independent study? Like, do they put out like a Ted, uh, what was it, Ted Wells investigation? Yeah, or? maybe it's kind of like the concussion protocol where there's an independent evaluator and he says that was seven hip thrusts, that's too many. But then if it was like four or less, it's okay. So like a panel, like some people think know. it was four, some people think it was five hip thrusts. I don't know. Like, Whatever it was, Madison didn't get flagged. Who's on this panel? I don't know. Independent. Uh, independent. It's, it's independent. We can't know. We can't know. Like it's independent. We can't Yeah, we some can't of these know. panels are we don't probably know. not as independent as they Want them want you to think they are, but I don't know how you <laughs> yeah, get on that panel. And uh, I don't want to be on that panel. I don't want to be on that panel either. Um, yeah, what would go on on such a panel if it in fact existed would be an interesting thing to know. The backfield might not be much of a concern though when it comes to Detroit because the Vikings can't stop a nosebleed when it comes to throwing the football. So I love how Ben. I love how Andrew just pulls us right back. I am. I'm going right back into football talking. Got to do it. I have to. Um, 
Amon Ross St. Brown owns the Vikings at 75 yards, averaging over three games more than the other two division opponents. He's played also the same amount. Uh, he's pretty good, and the Vikings just have not been good covering. So I think that would be their biggest concern, aside from the fact, too, that the Lions' offensive line is one of the best in the league. Which team is 10-2 and two and which one is 5-7? and seven? My goodness. Against the spread. I was just looking at this. The Lions are 8-4 and four against the spread. The Vikings are 6-5-1. and one. Both teams are 4-1 and one in their last five. Okay. That's true. It's it's true. These are facts. I mean, I think like this is all lies. Damn lies. And this is all a long way of saying if the Lions could eventually get out of the Lions' way, they might actually have something going here because the offense does seem like it's on the right track. And if they can get some other defensive parts, they might actually be dangerous in future years. It's just still right now. You find so many games where they're beating themselves, whether it's with turnovers, whether it's with penalties, whether it's with just bad decisions, like you saw. In that first game against the Vikings, where Dan Campbell, they're biting their own kneecaps. You might they're biting say. their own kneecaps. That's what I would say exactly. They're biting their own kneecaps instead of uh, biting the other the opponent's kneecaps. Since the one Lions corner was flagged six times, uh, five I think. Oh, that's right. On Adam Thielen alone. Oh, Aurier. In that game, he has been benched. They have fired the defensive backs coach Aubrey Pleasant and promoted the safety coach for the Vikings defensive coordinator job. So I've been I'm trying to you know we look at all these advanced numbers like how the how are the how are the Vikings winning? They're ten and two. Like Football Outsiders DVOA says they're. 20th in the league like nobody else you know nobody else down there has that good of a record right like all the everybody's saying are they really for real I, I was like okay I'm trying to figure out like if they're not good in <laughs> yards per attempt passing rushing passing against yet rushing against like how are they winning aside from making plays occasionally in the fourth quarter not even occasionally but a lot of times came upon this weird stat where they are far and away I mean you know these are smaller numbers so far and away I think is is worthwhile here far and away have the most first downs gained by penalty this year. So when you're referencing Thielen getting absolutely mugged and getting a lot of first downs that way, 32 first downs this year by penalty that they've gotten. So that's like, you know, two and a half, three a game um, that they're getting. They have solved – Kevin O'Connell has solved the officiating conspiracy that has plagued – Minnesota sports for six plus decades. I don't know how far it goes back, but it is we've not gone. Do, do the Gophers get screwed in the forties by anything? Probably. Uh, yeah, probably. Uh, you know, Royce has a theory. It all goes back to a game against Wisconsin in like nineteen sixty one, where <laughs> someone got uh, flagged for it. But Royce does it tongue in cheek too. So. I I would like to know if it has anything to do with the fact that Kevin O'Connell is the first Vikings coach in history not to have met Sid. Ooh. Like, did the cons- was the conspiracy, in fact, that everybody thought it was so much fun to get Sid riled up yeah. that, oh, we sh- we're going we're gonna to screw the Vikings over, we're going to screw the Gophers over. We want to see what happens. Because we just want to see Sid get mad. Now there's no fun. It's like, you know, teasing a, a kindergartner. If they don't react, you don't get a rise out of them anymore. Maybe you stop. Was Sid the problem the entire time? It sounds like they have that Lions corner to thank, though, for being number one in that well, stat. Because yeah. he might alone have pushed them over. He did push them over. The next highest is 28. But, I mean, 32 yeah. is a lot. <laughs> but, the, you know, joking aside, like when you get that many first downs. I'm not penalty, joking about this. A lot of, <laughs> we need to look into this. Well, what I would say is, yeah, that, I like that. But, you know, joking aside, like the that's a lot of first downs to get by penalty, and those are a lot of – Key moments of games doesn't say how many are by how many were on third down things like that. But Andrew and I before that we started recording started thinking about like some of the key ones. The one against Washington where they get the unsportsmanlike call and they get to milk the clock and kick the field goal. Roughing the punter. The roughing the punter yeah. call against uh, the Patriots, wasn't it? Yeah, against the Patriots that extends the drive. They end up winning that game. And I will say this: I don't know what Ken, I don't know about the Kevin O'Connell Sid connection, but I will say this: Kevin O'Connell leaves the Rams. 
before this season. Rams won the Super Bowl last year. Kevin O'Connell, offensive coordinator. Rams are dead last in that category this year with 13. Refs won't help first them at all. Downs. Kevin O'Connell was the key, I think, to the first down by penalty. Kevin O'Connell would also probably bring to this conversation the 12 men on the field play in Buffalo that the Bills were allowed to get away with on – it was a touchdown run. Yeah, was, they were in the end zone with 12 people on like fourth and goal at the one or third and goal at the one, whatever it was. Um, which yeah, the conspiracy is not dead yet. And I'm not saying yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying this is all luck on their part, but I'm saying they've they've definitely gotten a lot of first downs at penalty this year. They have. Uh, you said you had a couple stats. We'll save some I do. for, save some for yeah. the Ram save Ball blog. Please but do. What, give us one more at least. Another taste. Okay, here's here's one that I really like, and this might be the the other focal point of the of the, of the post. But uh, Vikings are the only team this year that is that has not had a touchback on a punt this year. Ryan Wright, no touchbacks on any of his punts, but. Second best percentage of punts inside the 20. He's put 28 punts inside the 20 without having a touchback. Call him a stallion. It's a field position battle. They're good at field position, and that's not a small part of what they try to do. I think their average average starting field position is like in the top five. They started like their own 30. They have had some um, really good cover guys on punt. Correct guys. Chris Boyd has done really well for them. Jalen Naylor had a a good tackle on Sunday. Patrick Jones is actually, I think, among guy. their special no. teams leaders. Not a thrower, I don't know. In tackles, so they've had uh, some young guys step up in that. Panay Wongrud, track guy, track guy as well. Dan Chisena, but it does does Kellen, Kellen Mond was also a track guy. It, it does seem Justin like Jefferson is a track it does guy. seem like their goal the is to kick it to around the ten, and those track guys, hashtag, hashtag track guys for Ben, um, are down there so fast that there's no there's no other option but to fair catch it instead of trying to return it, and that probably helps his. It certainly helps his uh, inside the 20 percentage, but probably also helps his touchback percentage as well, which is perfect so far this year. Yeah, they've, uh, I mean, special teams overall, <laughs> with one exception, the one that usually exists around the Vikings. The one that almost killed the coach today? Uh, yeah, yeah. The one that <laughs> almost literally killed the coach. Was today. that a field goal attempt? We, uh, we don't know, but we think it was Greg Joseph kicking that it hit the left upright. It certainly was a kick. It came it was, in too certainly fast. Certainly was a kick. Certainly was, it looked like, from what the replay made it sound like, uh, speculation in the media room was that it hit the left upright, hit the scoreboard directly above O'Connell, and then he, like, ducked. Like, it was close to hitting him. He did. Matthew Collar said, because the ball bounced off the scoreboard, I think Matthew yeah. Collar said he got a piece of it when it bounced back toward him. so But O'Connell did a nice little flinch, and yeah, they're showing the pocket presence. Just athlete instincts. Made him the quarterback in San Diego State for four years. Um, yeah, aside from and, – and really quickly, for those who are like, man, you guys are all over the place today, we are not used to the second Lions game being of any consequence. We, we usually are just like, like having to – We're delirious. From walk yeah, off, yes. you know, yeah. kind of yeah. shoot from the yeah. hip. Yep. With the second, second Lions game, game so we don't know some, what we're doing. And some inside baseball. Like Usually we record before access where we're kind of like up against a shot clock. <laughs> Forces us to be focused. Up against a shot clock because like, okay, we got to be done by X amount of time. we got to get all these subjects in. Today we're recording after access because of how schedules work today. So we, we have unlimited time to, uh, yeah, and it so shows. We're sorry. Um, um, it's like happy hour. Yeah. So the But the special teams, other than the kicker, has been awfully good. For most of the year, I mean, punt coverage has been pretty good. Um, kick return, Wangwu, Brian Wright, I think he's done a nice job. Greg Joseph was talking about five for five, but if if his errant leg was the reason Kevin O'Connell almost got drilled in the head today, there's like a sign from God, like somebody's trying to tell us something today. Yeah, maybe. Hasn't missed a field goal inside of fifty this year. He's missed a lot of extra points. That's true, and he hit from fifty plus on Sunday. He did. So, you know, maybe he's gotten all of the misses out of the way. 
Except for today. I mean, he had a great training camp. It's he like, did. I mean, he was fantastic. That's what I mean, so, except for today. But it went left. Also helped. Um, all right. Well, let's quickly talk about um, Ben. You, you sat down with Patrick Peterson late last week and talked to a bunch of other people about him uh, in a story for Sunday Star Tribune. If you haven't seen it, go to startribune.com to check it out. The Vikings secondary, the one of the only good parts about it, has been Patrick Peterson. Um, what did he have to say to you? And, and obviously there's a lot in the story too, but what else did he have to say to you and what was your impression of him when he talked about trying to bring along the other parts? Yeah, I mean, it was interesting just to kind of hear his how that all started because he basically said Cam Dantzler was texting him all summer. Because if you remember back, let's go back a year, to the Lions game, the second Lions game, when they lost to a winless team on the last play of the game, and that basically... I think was effectively the thing that cost Mike Zimmer his job. You weren't there was going to be no coming back from that once you lose that game. They, I suppose, could have still made the playoffs, but I think the embarrassment of that and what it did to their chances, there was no coming back from that. So, Dantzler ends up being the guy that's too deep in the end zone. Amon Ross St. Brown catches the ball in front of him to win the game. Uh, Patrick Peterson, a couple of days later, on his podcast said. And basically went through exactly what happened. He was saying Dantzler was too deep in the end zone. And he said on that on that show, Dantzler texted him right after the game because Patrick Peterson missed that game with COVID. Okay, um, forgot about that. Yeah, he I think went on the COVID list the day before the game. So Dantzler texts him and says, what did I do wrong? You know, basically, hey, what did you see on that play? Give me some feedback. Help, help me figure out what I need to do different. And he said, you were too deep. So they had had a lot of conversations, I think, through last season – Dantzler kind of picking his brain, and that continued. He said through the offseason, Dantzler would text him a lot and say, I want to be really good. I want to be you know, what you are. I want to kind of keep learning as much as I can to try to take the next step in the NFL. So Peterson said, if he wants it, I might as well just give it to him. I might as well take the time to invest in this guy. He said it for a couple of reasons. Number one, he said, I'm playing another three years tops. That's it. And then after that, I'm done. Talked about wanting to go into broadcasting. I could, certainly could see being a thing that he ends up Do doing. We, does that three years include this year or after this year? Uh, I, I think, think I, I didn't clarify that. I I think it's probably this year too. I mean, I, he's thirty two, so I think thirty five is probably the number. Um, so he talked about I, I and I asked him, "Do you want to be a coach?" He's like, "No, I don't. I don't want to be a coach. I don't want that lifestyle of having to move all the time and." having even more time to grind on things than, than players do. He's like, I'd get into broadcasting, but I want to have time with my family. He's got two young daughters at home. Um, shout out to the girl dads, as he told me when we got done talking last week. Um, both Mike and I are girl dads. so Yeah, I have uh, a boy now too. Yeah, yes. but you, you're in, you're in yeah. the club. Yes. Um, but he talked about, I want to spend the time with my kids. I don't really want to go into the coaching thing. So this is kind of his way of – being able to pass on some of the things he's learned over a, a pretty decorated NFL career. The other piece of it is he's played in like three playoff games in his career. That's it. So I think he looks at this and says, if we're going to go anywhere, and he's been the guy a lot of the season talking about, hey, we have to take advantage of this. We have to appreciate the, what's going on here. And we have to appreciate the opportunity we have in front of us. We also have to make the most of it. So I think he realizes our secondary has to – improve quickly so I'm going to do what I can so basically every week he's having guys over to his house cook some dinner every single week you know basically sends out an order on Tuesday and says tell me what you want me to make I'll make you dinner and then 
We're going to study He film. makes the dinner himself? He cooks the dinner. That's impressive. Yes. I, okay. I mean, I, I mean, it's a point of clarity. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he he is um, pretty committed to that thing. I mean, it's it's basically he, he says – he sends out a group text on Tuesday saying, tell me what you want. Uh, he said he usually does like a pasta and then chicken kind of thing. I mean, he's from New Orleans, so I, I'm sure – I mean <laughs> – I don't know if you crawl out of the womb learning like to cook down there, but you learn. Influence. Yeah, you learn to appreciate good food. Uh, certainly from that part of the country, I think, and and I think he has gotten into that into cooking over the course of his career. So he typically cooks, and it's basically, you know, if if you are a 23 year old, which many of the Vikings corners are, living away from home, you have an eight time Pro Bowler saying, "I will cook you a home cooked meal every week, and I will tell you how I've gotten at this point in my career." That would seem like a fairly. Uh, that would seem like a no-brainer. Be like, yeah, yeah I'm gonna. All I got to do is show up. Yeah, show up. Just tell eat, me where to be. Get better. Yeah. yeah, and then he has guys over to his house. And I don't think I even got this in the story, but uh, he has guys over to his house Thursday nights too, just to watch the Thursday night football game and hang out. And he's talked about, I want that connection to be built in our group so that when we're in tough situations on the field together, we can kind of draw back on that, and everybody's connected in, in an interpersonal way too, not just in a football way, but. The point of Wednesday nights is to learn how to play the position at a higher level. And he said that the number one question he gets, I asked him this, and he just goes, how did I know that was coming? That's the question I usually get from guys is, how did you know that they were going to run that route? And he basically kind of walks through his whole process of, here's how my film study, I take it from like, I could get any route possible to percentage-wise, I'm playing like three or four. And... I think there's a little bit of don't try this at home with a, with some of that where some of the young corners may not have the experience and have the the years of understanding to draw back on and say, I can lean on this route because I know what he's going to do and I know how to play it. I mean, it's probably a little bit like a, a hitter saying this guy usually throws That's this pitch in this just count what I was of, yeah. and I'm going to sit on, I'm going to sit on a slider here or sit on a breaking ball because I can, I know he throws this in this situation. Um, there's probably a little bit of that, but I think overall the process of learning how to eliminate possibilities based on formations, based on splits, based on tendencies, that's his whole thing. He basically tells them that and walks them through it. And he's some of his favorite moments this season have been where the times where he actually sees it all click for those guys. Do you get the sense, um, did you talk to him much at all and get the sense from him about wanting to finish his career? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, th- I certainly know that he wants to do that I, I think that's his his hope he's a free agent after this year and and we are going to have I was just thinking about this today we are going to have a very very interesting offseason around here because there are a lot of decisions to make on guys like him guys like Harrison Smith Eric Kendricks Dalvin Cook Adam Thielen a lot of guys that Dalvin were, Tomlinson too right? Dalvin Tomlinson is a free agent after this year there are a lot of guys that were paid by the previous regime in an effort to remain competitive so they could save their jobs. And you kind of, I, I would love to get the decision makers in this organization injected with truth serum and ask them the question of how much of this, this year did you really think was going to go this way? Because there was sort of this mandate from ownership, not a mandate, it's probably too strong, an expectation that we're going to be super competitive. So then you go through it, and they keep the roster together. And they, they looked at the possibility of blowing it up. I know that for a fact. So you kind of think, well, 
if we're going to do it this year, we, we play it out for a year, and if it doesn't work, then we can say, okay, we tried it. Now we can go on and, and restart the thing from here. But it's worked better than anybody thought it would. I mean, it's almost like a I feel like a movie plot or something. Yeah. The, well, the, uh, we put this, the decimal in the wrong spot, and the, and the plot to uh, – yes, from Superman 3. Um, yeah, yeah, I got a decimal in the wrong place. I always screw something like that up. It's a mundane detail. But yeah, it, now it's like, what do you? I mean, do you run it back with all these guys, including guys like Patrick Peterson, or do you say um, philosophically, analytically, are we going to pay a thirty-three-year-old corner? I mean, they're going to have a lot of those decisions to make. And what's What's fascinating is that how this season plays out will guide a lot of those decisions. Yes, right. So there's going to be a lot of pressure to run it back if they go to the Super Bowl. But well, that's a huge if, considering what I wanted to bring up. That is that the Patrick Peterson side of the ball and really his room is yeah. what worries me about this team. Yeah. 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 With, I mean, just because we haven't seen the, the collective play, whether it's Cam Bynum missing a tackle, Shannon Sullivan missing a tackle, that replacement co- corner when Cam's out getting beat constantly. When Cam was in, we were seeing him ge- get beat at times. Um, the pass rush not being consistent. Um, Dallas finding a way to just throw all over the linebackers. Yeah. Like, there's just, it's been one position after another getting kind Other of Other than torched. that, it's been great. Exactly. Like, it's just, so that's my thing with him, where it's like, if he's looking at this, what if they're one and done? And then he looks at this and goes, well, if I'm chasing rings here, what, what are we doing? Is this the place well, to be? Yeah. And, like, it's a good question. His contract in 2021, when they, like, pried him away, was. What eight million this year? He's like less than half. That. Yeah, he's a, he took a he's discount. A bar- he's a bargain. He wanted to be back. Year. Oh, there's no question. He's been a bargain. I mean, he's probably playing at a Pro Bowl level. It may end up in a Pro Bowl or whatever the Pro Bowl means these days. But he'll get the honor of being selected to the team. Yeah, he's. There's no doubt he's been one of the better bargains at that position in the NFL. And yes, he has been the only consistent guy they've had back there. And I think a lot of it probably for him is. I'm going to try to do everything I can to get these guys up to speed as quickly as possible because you have a lot of guys that don't have the reps. And he talked a lot about that, of wanting to do what he can to speed up that process for them. I have the reps of years and years of playing in the NFL. I can hopefully transfer some of that to them and just make that learning curve a little shorter is kind of the the hope of it. doesn't work all the time, but that's what he's trying to do. Are the safeties invited to the dinners too, or is it just the corners? It is. I asked Harrison Smith this. He said – it's basically the corners. He said the safeties, we kind of do our own thing to get together, but he said it's kind of an exclusive thing with the corners. Got it. Okay. Because they're also defensive backs. They are. Um, we did get a couple questions, but one of them got emailed in wanting to know if Kevin O'Connell's play calling was getting predictable. Um, and I think it was alluding to some of the stalls that they've had. And Ben, you've wrote about their third quarter issues. Yes. Yeah. Uh, what stood out to you when you dove further into that, and what did you think about that question that you got? Well, yeah, I mean, I I think it's O'Connell has talked about kind of a need to continually evaluate what he's doing play calling wise and and trying to figure out how to get things going. He he talked a lot about kind of I just we need to get that first first down in the third quarter to get the momentum going because some of it is when you end up going three and out, it's hard to talk about play calling simply because you get. If you're second and long, third and long, you get forced into pretty short sections of your playbook. You just don't have a ton of options in those spots. So I think some of it has been that, but I also, yeah, I mean, I think he's still trying to figure out some of the the rhythm of how to do it. 
with play calling and and uh, I, don't, I don't know if it's been predictable but I think there's still probably a question of calling things at the right time and and what the uh, the appropriate call in a situation needs to be probably still figuring some of those things out and I would you know the other thing I was going to say to that effect not so much play calling but I one thing that just mystifies me and has mystified me all year is why can't they get the screen game going? Every time they throw a screen, it feels like it loses like two or three yards, and it feels like that should be a relative strength if your offensive line is predicated more on mobility than it is on brute strength. And if you have a lot of vertical, th- you know, vertical threats to op- occupy space downfield, and if you have a guy like Dalvin Cook or Alexander Madison who can, you know, theoretically break one, it doesn't. It doesn't seem like they've cashed in a lot of screens. Yeah, this Madison year. scored on the one and yeah, London. the fifteen yarder, right? Where Darius saw basically yeah. ended a guy's. Not career, Ended but his he, life. He he snatched his soul, as the kids say. I um, I've heard players talk about too, like with screens, the timing of the play calls is one of the biggest things, right? So I wonder how much O'Connell and when he's used it plays a factor yeah. into defenses expecting it. And then there's a stretch against the Jets where he calls one, it blows up, and then he calls the fake with Justin right after that yeah. to like go right back to the screen, but then have Justin throw from one receiver screen to a cook screen on the opposite end, but then he doesn't throw it, saves it by yeah. scrambling. And I'm just thinking, and got what? like eight, 10 yards I'm out of it. I'm thinking like, okay, so like clearly you had a built-in reaction to getting a screen blown up, but it was then to run another screen, but then a trick play screen. And I'm like, I don't like that. If I'm just as a guy sitting yeah. up in the press box, I don't like that, you know, because it obviously didn't work. So it's easy to say it, even with an eight yard scramble, but it doesn't seem like they have many answers for when that. Yeah, yeah, I think that's true, and I, I think probably there's a little bit of a reluctance to stick with the run when it even when especially when it's working. You know, there were a couple of moments last week where they'd run the ball awfully effectively, and it's like just just roll with it, and they kind of get away from that. And um, yeah, I I think there's, I mean, certainly they they stick pretty closely to the kind of data-based best practices in terms of run-pass ratio. I mean, you know, people kind of talk about that sweet spot being 65 66% throwing the ball. They're very much in that area. But I think there are times where you say, hey, uh, if we're running the ball effectively, we got to stick with it here. But So there's some of those things that go into it. I, I wanted to bring up one stat that uh, I wrote about the third quarter lulls uh, earlier this week. And Chris sent me this. This is a really good stat. I, I had some of the stats along these lines, but he drilled into the first possession of the third quarter. Um, he points out they've now gotten the second half kickoff four times. He, he's wondering why defer when you're not doing anything with it in the early third quarter. He said the, those four times they've gotten the second half kickoff, two interceptions, two punts. And all 12 first possessions in the third quarter, in other words, whether they get the second half kickoff or whether it's just the first time they have the ball, one touchdown, one field goal, seven punts, including six three and outs, two interceptions, and one missed field goal. Oof. Not great. Ten yeah, points. Especially the what, half of them are three and outs. And that's, yes. that explains, I mean, that's so much of the third quarter battle because if you're going three and out, you're going to have the ball for 45 seconds. And yep. if the other team, if, if you're then, you're not only just bad on offense, you're bad on defense in the third quarter. That's half the, half the quarter and right simply there. Simply from a rhythm perspective, like if, if you think about, whether you have the ball or not in the last few minutes of the half, you're going into the half. I mean, say you don't have the ball, where it's four or five minutes of game time at the end of the half. Maybe you have halftime, and then you go three and out, and then the other team gets the ball. I mean, in terms of the amount of real time between 
series for your offense, you're talking probably 40 minutes of real time, and it's just trying to keep guys in that rhythm of, hey, we've been on the field, guys have, they're into the game, we feel like everybody's doing what they need to do, heart rates are up, That I mean, all that kind of stuff, everybody's kind of lathered up. You know, we can talk about momentum. The, the question of whether momentum is a real thing is, is an ongoing debate. I know that. But certainly players feel like there's a difference when you are in kind of a, a consistent rhythm and you feel like you're rolling. The uh, Vikings opened the third quarter this time around with a six-yard run from Dalvin Cook. It seemed like it was going well. Then the Jets, I remember, loaded the box, and they ended up getting blown up by some extra secondary help in the run game. And then I remember Kirk checking down to Cook in the flat on third down when C.J. Mosley was lined up over the A-gap and he thought he was going to have the time to – Cook's going to oh easily beat him out. And C.J. made a great read bailing on a pressure look to get out there. And it's like some of this stuff, it's execution, right? The third quarter was also when Cousins overthrew Hawkinson deep. The third quarter was when Cousins on an out route to Thielen on like third and medium oh, just totally sailed a, a pass to him there. And it's like those are passes you should be hitting if you're Kirk. We've seen him hit him a ton of times before. And I know the third quarter issues are like all season, so this is just one yeah. game of it. But like Sunday, it felt like this is stuff that they normally make or and they Jefferson, should make. Jefferson drop was the third quarter too, wasn't it? Um, yeah, it was, was, it? It was right, right after the, the he missed Hawkinson. Yeah. So yeah, it was two plays just, later, I just believe. a lot of like things that yeah. Usually, if if Kirk is better, like the plays were there at least in this game, it was execution more than it was anything else. And I think. O'Connell delicately alluded to that in post game, where it's like, well, good about the looks. <laughs> um, I, I do like how he'll do that sometimes, too. Uh, or when Justin will criticize the play calling, and Kevin will clearly, I'm sure they'll talk about it, and they, they mentioned that they talk about it, but Kevin will come back with, you know, if anybody has any good quick throws for third and long, let me know. <laughs> you know he's not afraid to throw that stuff in there. Um, what else should we get to about this game before we let everybody go? Anything else that stands out? Uh, we've talked about them sewing up the division. I, I find it interesting in terms of the playoff seedings that the Vikings find themselves in a spot where San Francisco could slip out of this and, and be that seven seed. Yeah, I, and that I have kind of thought is not probably the team you want to play. Maybe it's a little different story with Brock Purdy as the quarterback. Although Jimmy G might be back Jimmy now. Jimmy G said. might be back. Be back by the division round, although that probably wouldn't be where the Vikings played him. So. They'd probably see him in the wild card round. Yeah. Unless they stay as a three, then you could see him by the division round. Yeah, I, I, I don't think that's the team you necessarily want to play. I, I think there's a lot of things they do that don't set up well. For, for a team that's 10 and 2, there's a lot of teams the Vikings don't want to play. Yeah, like who? Like, it's a Philly. Like the, like the teams they got blown out by this year? Like yeah, San Francisco, Philly, and Dallas. Philly, and Dallas. They didn't get blown out by San Francisco. No, I'm sorry. Like the, 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 two, the two teams they got blown out by plus San yeah. Francisco. Sorry, there's, there's a lot of teams they don't might, might I mean, those joint play. practices got a little salty. And I don't think Washington is a great matchup for them either. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I mean, especially if they get Chase Young back. I mean, that's. Yeah. But I think Taylor Heineke coming the, in here. The ideal script is something like Giants, Seahawks, and then somebody else. Yeah, Giants, Seahawks, but then who do you want? Do you want Tom Brady in the NFC yeah, title sure. game? Giants, Seahawks, Buccaneers. Yep. yep. That's, this that's year, the, do we want Brady? Year out, yeah. Maybe I'm foolish, and I, that wouldn't be the first time. But give me Tom Brady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, uh, I mean, I guess the end, of that, the end of that Saints game back. was the end of that Saints game was malpractice. You see Ingram like just come up a yard yeah. short. Oh, they, they never should have won that game. Well, I saw the result, and I'm like, of course he did. Just watch Mike Evans not do anything when I needed him to do something 
Lamar Jackson got hurt, cost me a division title. Got to get win and get some help this week. Oof. Well, the Vikings can uh, potentially help later on this month set up a matchup with the Giants by beating them. That doesn't do anything for my fantasy purposes. I mean, if Kirk Kirk will be my quarterback with Lamar Jackson out this week, so Mich- Michigan Kirk against the Lions that could work. Like the bigger picture of this is they've got like five. Well in Detroit. De- they just played five really good defenses, and the rest of the defenses they're going to play this year are not all that great. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see how they maybe they can get some sparks going offensively just from the different. I mean, sometimes sometimes everything comes down to who you're playing, and they've been playing some tough teams and yeah. managed to go four and one against a pretty tough slate. Justin Jefferson has 1,277 yards at this point with five games to go. He has often talked about that 2,000-yard mark, but that seems hard to get. a little much. He needs 723 You need yards. about 145 per game. That's a lot. Yeah, especially figure he won't play against the Bears, right? Yeah, I mean, especially if you get down to it and there's nothing to play for at that point. They're, they could be locked into the two seed, you would imagine, at some, at some point there if, if things play out this way. We don't care about records. on that note we will uh we will close this podcast please check out startribune.com we will talk to you next time from u.s banks or no from ford field ford field we're on we're finally on the road we don't know we don't know what to do today i don't know where this is